Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Can parasites come at you through the Ouija board? How real was the Amityville horror case? When you hear relatives calling your name and it isn't them, what's the deal? Hello and welcome to the 671st edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Benino. I'm Shane and those creepy questions came from the host, Paul, and my partner in the paranormal. Okay, well Ben is not with us. He has a, uh, an emergency situation that he had to deal with today and uh, Shane uh, was going to be here anyway for one of our open line shows. We're very, very happy that he's sitting in for Ben today. So welcome Shane. All right. You know, and also our uh, long-suffering producer, Josh Ducharme. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Okay. No problem, guys. So um, anyway, uh, we are going to deal today with some long and complex questions, one or two short ones that came in after our November 27th appearance on Coast to Coast AM with George Knapp. And we will be taking calls today. It's 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. And 401-766-1240 from our ON1240 listening area here in southeastern New England. And also we will monitor Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com for emails. Okay, so let's dive right in here. Uh, the first one is, now I, I should say about 80% of the emails that came in after the Coast to Coast appearance, and they always do, are people who um, have private messages, want, want our advice privately, want to talk to us or uh, share something that, that occurred that they're very concerned about. However, these, these uh, are general comments and questions that we did um, get from that list uh, of, of emails, and we're going to deal with them today. So here's one from Matt in East Norton, Pennsylvania. Uh, regarding the Amityville horror case, Paul, I heard you were almost involved, uh, maybe investigating this case or heard about it from the Warrens. My question is, do you think the case is authentic? All right, well, we get this frequently, and uh, during that case, which the, the bulk of the Warrens' involvement was 1976 uh, onward, and I was a seminary student at the time, uh, and that was difficult for me to get away from classes, obviously, so I was not directly involved in the case. However, I did receive uh, letters from Lorraine during the case, and I did uh, talk to them, obviously, afterwards, because I worked with them really till 1978, uh, the Warrens. And uh, my understanding during the case was that there was a lot of confusion. All sorts of stories were coming and going. There were an awful lot of people involved. I believe it involved even Hans Holzer, sort of this legendary ancient uh, ghost hunter kind of guy from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Uh, at one point, uh, there were all, all sorts of uh, accusations flying back and forth. Um, however, what really cut the ice for me was when I was involved with one of my mentors, uh, Father John Nicola, a Jesuit priest from Washington, D.C., who had been involved in the um, the original story upon which the Exorcist movie was based in 1973, and he was a, um, a technical advisor for that film, something he regretted till his dying day. But I met with him frequently because I would uh, I was in Washington uh, with relative frequency, and he said to me that Amityville case was a hoax. So that was good enough for me. I really, really trusted uh, Father Nicola and put a lot of... Uh, uh, credibility in anything he said. He was probably the greatest expert in uh, paranormal in general and exorcism in particular in the American Roman Catholic Church at the time. So that uh, that cut some ice. So to the best of my knowledge, Matt, uh, again, I wasn't personally involved. It, um, I, I don't really put a lot of credibility into it, especially when everybody heads for the bank 
you know, you know there, a couple of books came out of this, movies and all this sort of thing. And you know that that's fine if you're going to fictionalize it, but don't claim that it's that it's true. In my opinion. So, uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, I, I don't uh, really believe that it occurred as stated, and uh, probably very little at all. Because people have lived there since then and have not had anything happen. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Because you know, um, the house certainly had bad events ha- take place in it, and then there, there were also other components that could, you know, invite a parasite in or whatever, or host something, you know, negative. But um, you know, the, when the Lutzes. Uh, lived there and and this story was was out the the investigators that jumped right in were um, always looking for fame and attention and stuff like that so of course they're going to sensationalize it and and um, blow it blow it up but um uh, you know like you said since since the Lutz has moved out nobody's reported anything at all um, I don't believe that the the story is true at all yeah that's my gut feeling right no no I, I, I agree uh, one of the things I noticed in working not just with the Warrens but with some other people too is that they uh, there was very little like in that whole Bridgeport that I was the only one who wrote anything down you know other than the, than the reporters mm-hmm. okay and that and you don't know they didn't have the whole thing except for the uh, National Enquirer they're the only ones that got it right believe it or not wow. <laughs> I, I, wow. people still get it yeah they're, they're all, they, they got it right right down to the T names places at least as I experienced that case in any case, uh, that, that's, uh, I agree with Shane on that. So let's move on here. Matt has a, a second question. Um, is it your opinion that we are in, in parallel universes or dimensions and that ghosts slash demons just seem to pierce that veil and enter our current universe slash dimension? All right, uh, I'm going to turn that over to Shane, but just uh, I, I really have to make the distinction. People use this parallel universe... Thing as a, as a, a term that means the same thing as dimensions, they use the terms interchangeably, but that's really not correct from the viewpoint of physics. Uh, the, the simplest way to put it is that within parallel worlds, if they exist, which we believe they do, there are dimensions. Okay, depending on the laws of physics. For example, in our th- that the, there are parallel worlds, and there are ways of sort of describing the parallel worlds, which would be dimensions. So in other words, uh, if I'm holding up a book here, a new book by uh, our good friend Nick Redfern, we're going to have him on the show in about two months with this book, uh, Immortality of the Gods, Legends, Mysteries, and the Alien Connection to Eternal Life. That's a mouthful, huh? Anyway, I'm holding up this book. The book has dimensions. It has width, it has length, it has breadth or volume, but it also has duration. Which is why Einstein said time is the fourth dimension. I just described the three dimensions. If something does not have any duration, it can't exist in our world. So, so therefore, time is the fourth. That's very simple, really. But other parallel worlds may have additional dimensions. And as a matter of fact, in this one, if that is an accurate way to put it, uh, those who favor uh, string theory in physics believe that we have uh, as many as 11 or 12 dimensions in this world. Okay, But that does not mean the same thing as multiple parallel universes right next to us and where there are different versions of ourselves. And so just to make that distinction. So all that hot air behind us, Shane, what do you think about this question? <laughs> all right, so the, the parasitic entities, um, I believe they, they can come and go through uh, to, to different parallels um, into ours. And, and, I, and it appears what kind of you know calls out to them are extreme emotion uh vo- emotional frequencies or vibrational frequencies and and lowered ones uh such as you know uh, negativity or depression or or um you know s- 
it's especially fear too um but those things are really what connects us like a two-way radio um so when not always i mean because you we all get upset sometimes we all have bad days and and this that doesn't mean you're going to be connected with one of these things but i'm talking about um sustained in in lowered emotional frequencies that have to have natural elements present too to allow the whole process to happen um but we've run into the the same um we believe that the same entities in different states in different homes with different families um you know so these things come and go and like we say it's not the house that's haunted it's the person and so that's why we we it appears we've run into the same ones i mean i've gotten recordings um in homes i've never been in in you know states i've never been in uh doing investigations we got audio recordings of of something saying you know shane's here you know so you know and same voices that i've heard in other places so um but you know they they do they can come and go to different parallels um and they and i believe what really kind of connects and what helps call out to them are emotional frequencies um you know in my experience well i think that's that's a really good point shane and people will ask or how do these things know anything they, uh, for example, will, will tell you things about your, or, or they'll, they'll talk, you know, maybe work through a medium when that's mm-hmm. legitimate and say, <clears throat> well, I know this about your parents or this, you know, something only uh, you could have known when you were a child or when I was in the middle of that exorcism assisting a priest and, and that thing came out with something about my father, you know, you know, hundreds of miles away from where we live. How would they know that? Well, because if they have access to different parallel realities where all different possibilities have occurred, then naturally they're going to pick up on that stuff and, and use it as a, as a button to push you in order to feed them with your energy. Yep. I think it sounds bizarre, but I think it's exactly how it works. And how come um, people who you know people who uh, predict things or mediums and everything they, they don't always get it right? Well, because whatever is, is talking to them or they themselves picked up something from a world that that didn't uh, where the wave function was not collapsed and did not join ours and did not did not become reality here. So sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But it always got me, how, even during exorcisms with priests who are supposed to know what they're doing, how, how, why do you believe anything you're told? Uh, for example, one of the big things in the Roman Catholic ritual is you have to supposed to get the name of the entity that's supposedly doing the possessing, okay? And yeah, sometimes you'll get a name, but why do you believe that it's really the name? Because I would run into, just as you have, I would run into those things, the same name, the same kind of critter, the same feel to it. There's a certain presence, to, you know, to, whether it's a person or a, a parasite that uh, is, is quite evident. And um, I, I run into the same ones in di- different cases and this, you know, and it just... It's too naive, I think, many of the traditional approaches. Yeah, I've always thought it was funny, you know. Um, they focus on so much on who it is or what it is. And I've always taken the pro- approach of, of uh, I need to know how it is. And if we right. know how it is, then we know how to manipulate the connection and break that connection. And so um, I think that's why I've had pretty good success, you know, helping people that are afflicted, you know, because um, I don't go about it the same way, you know, as, as everyone else. And when we, we run into these flat cases, such as... Uh well, Bridgewater Triangle or the Litchfield case or now the, the case you and I are working on, Shane, the Pennsylvania mm-hmm. Triangle. I mean, you, you find uh, the the government usually involved or the military or something that seems like the military. Wouldn't we love to be able to control those kinds of processes oh, yeah. to appear to manipulate space and time? What mm-hmm. would that do to the mind of an enemy? 
Oh yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, you got parasites and 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 the military, <laughs> and I'm a veteran. I'm, not, I'm having no disrespect, but I mean, it's just it's like uh, really, really makes you wonder. We keep running into this stuff. So let's move on to Patricia from Michigan, uh, who writes uh, two questions here. Um, I wrote a story that might be a book one day, someday, about people in a psychiatric facility who were deemed schizophrenic, but turns out we were all hearing the same voices. They were all hearing the same voices telling the same things. I've always wondered if people who hear voices and are said to be crazy really are just tuned into another reality or dimension, whatever. And um, we brought that up a number of occasions because I worked in psych hospitals as a, as a seminary student and as a grad student in psychology. And sure enough, I got exactly the same kinds of impressions. And as I've mentioned before, I've I've addressed groups of psychiatrists in the past on on the paranormal because oddly enough, they run into it. And I've had psychiatrists tell me I'm more skeptical than they are because police officers, clergy, and psychiatrists or slash psychologists run into this stuff more frequently than most people, oddly enough. And I've worked with all three. And uh, I think that uh, definitely this is something that I suspected because you look into the eyes of somebody who's supposed to be schizophrenic, and sometimes it re- there's really it's really bad, you know. But other times it's very peaceful, very knowing. And uh, this, when I would address the groups on this, that they would uh, you know get all upset, you know, in in a group. But then individually, when I talked to them afterwards, it was like, well, you know, I've often suspected the same thing, but if I said that, I'd lose my job. You know, so I mean. <laughs> So, I mean, it, it really, I don't know, politics or whatever, but the party line, people follow it uh, out of a need for group identification or just keeping their jobs. So so I agree uh, certainly here, Patricia, uh, on that. And, um, you know, uh, certainly, Shane, too, you must run into uh, a lot, just about everything out there. Because one of the questions is, is, is uh, someone bonkers or are they really experiencing the paranormal or both? Well, I mean, sometimes there, I mean, we know there is schizophrenics, um, but, but I think a lot of times when, you know, um, it, you know, in, in the past too, um, years past, it was more common to, for people to be locked up and, you know, oh, yeah. institutionalized and all this other stuff. But now you're seeing less and less of that. I mean, well, one for medication, but also because. Well, the states can't afford it. Mm, yeah. Um, but now they got medications and stuff like that. But also I, I think a big part of it is that, um, you know the paranormal is more accepted now, and uh, and there's more knowledgeable people out there talking because we you know we have shows like this one and other things, and um, so I think people are now starting to try to you know control that and embrace it a little bit more instead of being freaked out by it. Um, so yeah, so so I'd be um, curious to see Patricia's uh, story you know sometime and mm-hmm. uh, okay. you know because it's uh, you know cause we're not the only one saying this this stuff. You know, a lot of people are really. Uh, okay, so um, the second question here is uh, from Patricia as well in Michigan. Uh, I've always felt that, this is more of a comment, I've always felt that ghosts were just bleed-throughs or something, but could never get in my idea across when telling people about it. This was back when I was a kid. That's pretty pretty good for a kid, yeah. suspecting this already. I was one of those uh, what-if uh, people uh, that drove my family crazy, still do. <laughs> So truly appreciate you and your son and what you do and g- g- who give us crazies hope. See, and I like the bleed-through explanation rather than people who use uh, the term residual haunting because I don't like yeah. the residual haunting. Your house ain't a DVR, um, you know, but I, I love the bleed-through from one parallel to the next. Okay, I believe we have a caller. We do. Uh, Phil from Orange. Phil from Orange, online. yes. online. Yes. So. Uh, Phil, welcome. Uh, you've called several times. Welcome to Owen 1240 again. 
Hello there, Paul. How are you? Oh, pretty fair. I have a parasite-related question, and I'd like to tell you what sparked my call. In today's Sunday Times, um, there's an article about this British national who apparently is responsible for a lot of the anti-Hillary fake news that was circulated around the world, and um, he's saying that uh, the simple truth is that after 40 years of the right having no voice, because the en- the media was owned by the enemy, we were forced to become incredibly good at alternative media, which I guess he means lying. And it's as if Ronald Reagan never existed. And also, you're aware of uh, some of Trump's picks for his uh, agencies. And having covered EPA for the better part of 30 years, often in person, when I read about this stuff, it feels like a home invasion, and, and you have an emotional reaction to that, just as you would to this British national. Now, I'm told that the best way to fight a parasite is to respond with, quote-unquote, love. But it's so difficult when this is also overwhelming. And I just wonder if you have any thoughts about what we do about this onslaught that seems to be parasite-driven. Uh, if it's not, I mean, I... I wouldn't argue it, but it seems pretty evil. So just would like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, that's got a question with a couple of fuses lit on it. Um, I, um, we, we don't get into politics on this show because we have to relate to everybody and everybody's got their own opinions. However, I mean, it, because we frequently say that we suspect, well, we certainly see the activity of, of parasitical entities and uh, throughout history, uh, say, in various communities, uh, tribal groups, what, whatever, even governments, certainly, uh, families, individuals, uh, there's no reason to think that they would not be involved intimately in some governmental activities. How, and, and as we say, we believe the military or somebody like that is involved in researching uh, much of this stuff. And, and uh, but, but on the other hand, I think it's, it's really, we really don't know for sure what the extent is and I think we have to guard against several things. One is uh, the devil made me do it, you know, which takes away our own responsibility mm-hmm. at times or can. Uh, and secondly, um, this, this, if something happens that we don't agree with or see from a certain point of view, aha, it must be demonic. And one side is is, parasitic, is influenced by parasites, and the other side is pure as the driven snow. Um, I, I, that that is dangerous too. I think the best way, Phil to approach any of this, because we really can't do a lot about things that are going on on a global scale, you know, ourselves, except to try and do what we, and say what we believe is correct and, and right, is to start with ourselves, you know, to pursue every day, every minute, the simple things such as fulfilling our responsibilities, trying to grasp and execute what is good, holy, right, and true, and to treat each other, to treat people the way we would want to be treated. Now that's an old saying, but it comes out of the Gospel of Matthew, and, it, and which is translated "love your neighbor as yourself." But what it really, if you read it in Greek, it, it's essentially "love your neighbor because he is yourself," which gets into our whole notion of unity within the multiverse. So, the only thing I, I, I can suggest, because I'm I can't answer these things, is. You know, parasites will be repelled and defeated by love, but it starts not in a group. It starts with you and me okay. and Shane okay. and Josh and everybody else. 
everything comes from that. All good starts at home, as they say. So I, I, I don't know if that's a satis- satisfying answer or not, Phil, but uh, that's about... It helps. It yeah, helps. Shane, by the sh- way, yeah. I'm really enjoying the book. I'm almost done. Um, I've put aside some more uh, work-related reading to, to get through yours, and it's worth it. Well, thank you very much for referring to Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong by Paul and Ben Eno. <laughs> uh, it's a Phil, wonderful book. Thank you so much. Um, we appreciate all the compliments we can get. Shane, before we let Phil go, do you have any, any comments on this? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the way these parasites work, and I think part of their agenda is to hurt um, individuals' spiritual growth, but also spiritual growth of, of our entire planet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if we could all be on a higher frequency or, or an elevated level and, and work in harmony, I mean, we'd be, it'd be amazing. Um, and I think they don't, they don't want that. Um, and I think, so they rule with fear too. That sets a key thing. And, um, in f- fear, I mean, in a personal level too, I mean, um, can can hurt our our personal growth so like you know you you hate a job that you're in but you want to you want a better job but you're afraid you know um to take that leap you know Uh, so you stay in the job that you hate so you you never grow you stay you know miserable but um you know to live with fear is i think we could reduce the fear um we we work on ourselves we learn to love ourselves um you know, because it, it's when you when you can learn how to do that, then there's no reason to be afraid anymore. And um, so I, I think um, you know everything like you were saying is is true. But yeah, these these parasites they rule with fear and um, they te- they they attack the vulnerable and um, they try to keep us down on that level. So it's trying to keep is us divided. Is, is it anger as well as fear? Anger can definitely. I mean, they 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 don't like negative emotions, so anger would be one of them. But, yeah. Um. So s- certainly. Uh, you know, um, you know I, I wrote something a while ago, but um, I, I, uh, I think a lot of people are ruled by fear because of low self-worth and insecurities. Ironically, the, mm-hmm. uh, the things that help us overcome that is to chase things that we love, to chase the things that make us happy, and to do it because that's who we are and what we love. Um, we breathe because, I mean, we, we blink because we have eyes, we breathe because um, we have to, we walk because we have legs, um, and we love because we have feelings. It's difficult to give love when we have no love for ourselves. When we put ourselves into the position to be who we are inside, we put ourselves in the position to love ourselves. And when it's done for that reason, the fear is displaced and or eventually ir- irrelevant. Um, and these parasites, like I said, they... <clears throat> they want things in disruption. They want conflict. Um, they want to play people against each other and countries mm-hmm. against each other and, and ourselves against ourselves. And um, they a lot, they use um, you know vulnerabilities. They they use negativity and, and um, they rule with with fear. So if uh, like I said, if we could all uh, learn how to love ourselves. We can learn how to love everyone else because you can't love. Um, other people and get along with other people when you're in conflict with yourself internally. So it starts with us, just like Paul says many, many times. Okay, well, this is all very encouraging. Thank you, gentlemen. Well, thank, thank you, you, Phil. You always ask thought-provoking and articul- articulate questions. Thank you very much. And looking forward to Nick being on the show. I've I've, I've been, just finished his books as well. Oh, Nick is great. Now that'll be a few months, but he'll be here. Very good. Th- thank, thank you, you Phil. Again. Okay, uh, so let's bye-bye. move. Bye bye. We, we move on to uh, a rather brief point here from Patrick. I'm not sure where Patrick is from. Um, I believe Massachusetts. I'm not sure. He's, anyway, uh, <clears throat> this is uh, by means of a comment, but a, a lot of people have asked this, so I'm going to address it. 
I'm hoping uh, you and Ben will be able to add your latest Coast to Coast show to your YouTube channel. Okay. Now, if Ben were here, he'd be asking me to promote the YouTube channel. However, um, we, I guess at the moment, the Coast to Coast site has the November 27th show uh, called, they call Paranormal Connections. Ben and I were there, and you can uh, listen to it there. However, there are serious copyright issues with many of these things, so we can't really just put it, I know a lot of people have asked, we can't really just put it on our own on YouTube. So um, I just would refer you to coasttocoastam.com, and you can look through there, and there I believe it's still available there. Somebody does seem to put it on YouTube, but I hope they have the legal right to do so. Well, you could always just refer to it as a link on your we YouTube do. account, and then right. just... Exactly. Thank you, You have to have a paper a subscription, right, to Coast to Coast? Uh, I don't know. I, when I've been looking at the, um, there, there is there is such a thing, but you can and have access to all the archives. But you can go on to the if you follow the link from behindtheparanormal.com, our show site. At, at least at the moment, at least last I looked, will take you to the uh, a page that had to do with. It's got our bios on it, and it has the show, and you can listen to it. Uh, in uh, MP3 or MP4 format. Oh, because I clicked on it because I, I missed the live. You know, well, it was kind of late, but yeah, um, yeah. I, I wanted to listen to it the next day and or whenever they posted it. I've tried a couple times and it just says, um, you know, to you have to log in or something like that. Yeah, and it uh, gives you options if you want a, a monthly subscription or a yearly. Oh, yeah. So I, well, I wasn't able <laughs> yeah. to listen to it, but um, well, all all our our recorded shows are free on our site, but that doesn't include that one. Yeah, that was the first time Ben made it through an entire broadcast of Coast to Coast. It was his third appearance. And when he first appeared in the 2010, it was like the youngest yeah. <laughs> uh, guest they ever had. And uh, But, you know, he soldiered through and he went to work the next day, which was like an hour later. Wow. Oh, my ears and whiskers. Well, anyway. All right. Uh, Paul, I believe now is a good t- opportune time oh, to take our break. You are right, Josh. Thank you. That's what you have producers for. Okay, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno today with Shane Searway sitting in for Ben on ON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Everything you know is wrong. Hi, I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben Eno. Check out our show, Behind the Paranormal, here on ON 1240, Sundays at 12 noon. The paranormal is not what you think it is. You're going to examine it from a whole new perspective. Do not check your ring at the door. You're going to need it. Be there. Well, talk about overkill. Anyway, you're listening behind the paranormal. We're back. And uh, there are several charities we've adopted, which we'll mention at the end of the show. But for now, let's get back to our emails, uh, and um, we'll see what uh, what we can come up with for some of these comments and questions. This one is simply from Miss M, uh, which is nice and short, and it says, So you can shift realities, right? All right, now, now that, that terminology can get in the way here, so... I presume that Miss M means, and, and, and anybody we're reading uh, is welcome to call in. I'll give the numbers again. It's 800-449-1240 anywhere in the U.S. or Canada or 401-766-1240 in our southern New England listening area uh, here at WON 1240. And uh, <clears throat> so shift realities. That can be a lighted firecracker, okay, in a way. You often hear in the New Age lingo that you um, okay well I can make my own reality okay 
and that's true. I think we do in, in many ways because really our subconscious is kind of in charge and our subconscious is what? In our opinion, it uh, includes all these lives, parallel lives you're living in, in uh, parallel realities and it's all you according to our interpretation of quantum mechanics. But shifting realities, the uh, I, I have to go back to conversations I've had with shamans on this. And Shane is a shaman, so perhaps he can uh, <coughs> extrapolate upon what I, I might say. And I'm thinking of, of them saying that, um, yes, this is essentially what you do, but you have to be careful of the collateral, what, what we would say is collateral activity or even damage that, that can happen. For example, when we have, and we, we are constantly getting more and more information, and we have some today if we have time to get to it, on <clears throat> what I guess lately is being referred to as the Mandela effect. Uh, people having different memories of what actually happened and even in groups so it's not just confabulation people say well we, we all remember this happening uh, <clears throat> and that's not really what happened uh, when we had <clears throat> I've been referring lately to a certain simple example comb in our downstairs bathroom at Castle Eno and uh, the, the thing was white forever one of those big combs and I went to pick it I, I, I put it down on the, on the sink one morning I turned around I turned back it was gray Ben also remembered this being white, and he was surprised that it was gray. There are little glitches in what might be the fabric of these uh, multiple worlds or, or, or realities, as, as Miss M puts it. So you can, I think, shift consciousness into real worlds, that, uh, <clears throat> either by design, if you're a shaman who knows what he or she is doing, uh, or if you are... Uh, some simply having it happen to you spontaneously. People, we hear all the time people walking out of their doors and being in a different neighborhood than the one they actually live in. Or the people who write into the show, uh, saying, well, this was one way one day and the next day it was different. Um, the, the house that was one color one day and one, day, you know, this goes on all the time. So we can shift realities and the question is, uh, should you attempt deliberately to do that? In my opinion, that that's that can be as dumb as using a Ouija board or trying to contact uh, entities that are probably parasites and this sort of thing. It's best to just proceed and kind of leave things alone and just respond to things as they happen. In my opinion, Shane, what say you? Yeah, I mean, even shamans, um, they won't do that. Um, in, in, they'll do it for healing purposes, um, mm. but they won't change life, you know, events, huge life events. Um, even if they can have an influence on it, uh, they they won't do it. It's not part of what what that's about. Um, but they, it's used for healing purposes. Um, so you know, for things like that. But um, but certainly, like like you said, I mean, uh, what explains people are taking a walk out in the woods and they look at this house. It's in the middle of the woods, and then they turn turn around, they look back again, and the house is gone. Too, yeah, you know, talk to people that's happened. Yeah, no, many people that <clears throat> I had a that field happened. that happened to me. Yeah, <laughs> right in back of my house. Yeah, yeah. Walked so. through it, never found it again. Or you know, or the the car that's driving behind you, and all of a sudden you look and it's gone. You know, but it had been behind you for a mile or two. You know, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So I mean, I think it happens to all of us. Some people notice it, some people don't. Um, well, the question may be, how do you deal with it? I mean, some people deal with that more easily than others. In other words, uh, if you do have a reality shift that you did not plan and didn't expect. Uh, the first, uh, the first question that comes to most people's minds in our culture would be, gee, am I losing it? Right. You know, and, uh, pro- maybe, but I mean, uh, that, but maybe not. You know, I think, again, I think it's just a certain amount of de- 
there's a principle in spirituality known as detachment. You know, you kind of stand back, say it is what it is. What is it? But it is, whatever it is, it is what it is. And just uh, continue doing what you're supposed to be doing. I think that that is really the answer to many, many problems. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, I think reality shifts are possible, not always desirable. And I, I wouldn't try and, and do it deliberately. Uh, so that's pretty much all we can say there, Miss M. So <clears throat> here is um, one from Sean, and I do not know where Sean is from. Uh just wanted to contact you with a couple of comments on your appearance on Coast to Coast recently. First, I loved your story. I think it's awesome what you guys do as a father and son team. Not sure what story he's mentioning. Uh, second, I have read the Dark Tower series by Stephen King, and that story incorporates almost your entire theory as the setting. I thought the similarity was was interesting enough to write to you, which I rarely do. I have to comment that... I deliberately do not read a lot of these things so that people can't say, well, you got this idea out of that book. Plus, if you look back to the stuff I wrote in the 80s and stuff, you find the same ideas that I'm talking about today. Um, on a side note, I have had a few of the experiences you talked about. Once I heard an unfamiliar female voice call my name, Throughout my life, objects disappeared, then reappeared in another location, much as we've been talking about. Uh, I've also experienced two different types of out-of-the-body experiences. Shane, let's say you about... Uh, now, here's a typical example of what we've just said, people experiencing maybe little things here and there as part of their day, um, but but especially about voices, people here calling their names. What, what experiences have you had with that? Um you know, I mean, necessarily personally, but people you've dealt with. Yeah, yeah, people I've dealt with, you know, in, in homes where they, they think their house, they got something in it, but they, they'll hear their name being called and, and everything. But most of the time, um, that happens on uh, with sleep onset. Just as you start mm. to break into sleep, people will hear the names being called. That's It's very typical, especially with people with uh, sleep apnea. It's, right. They start breathing, and then they'll hear, and it wakes them up, you mm-hmm. know. So they, they think, you know, well, is it a loved one trying to get me to breathe or, or what? Or is it just our brain telling, hey, wake up, you know, and it's using a, you know, a, something that we, we, we can um, identify with or whatever. Um, but it's it's a very common common uh, report you know uh, but most often it's on sleep on onset that i've i've had uh, reported to me um but even in ho- homes where people think they have activity going on they'll hear names being called and yeah and whatnot um. well very often people will, will write in and and they, they preface whatever they're going to report by saying well i was just falling asleep or i was just waking up mm-hmm. i always get a little i don't know if suspicious is the right word but curious about the real cause of an experience that occurs on the cusp of sleep, yes, going into or coming out of it. Uh, with me, um, it's and this this maybe it's a thing as you get older because but as I got into my fifties and sixties, I would find that there would be uh, sometimes even my own voice it just just coming up out of sleep. Sometimes I'd be uh, by a bell, like like a like a huge church bell, not not like an alarm clock. I don't use an alarm clock. I don't need one. I got all this stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> and um, sometimes I'll hear my wife's voice, uh, and she hasn't said anything, or or even Ben. You know, this seems to be relatively routine. Um, so I think that this may be internal, uh, perhaps psychological, kind of a normal thing when it comes to sleep. So there might not be anything paranormal about it at all. Right. Uh, other people, this never happens to. But it's when it happens away from sleep that I really get interested. Uh, very, very often, particularly in parasite cases, you've got people reporting they heard 
Well, I heard, uh, you know, a member of my family uh, calling me names or insulting me or swearing at me or, you know, using obscenities. Yeah, something they would never do. And, of course, what does this do? One effect might be to push a button to create uh, tension or anger in a household. And, of course, we all know who benefits from that. Right. You know? So um, I think it's a case-by-case basis with this stuff. Um, how many well, how many cases would you say, Shane, that you run into uh, where uh, voices are prodding people or, or just or just saying things that people are hearing uh, outside of sleep or, or not without them being in bed? Quite a lot of them, um, especially well, especially the parasite cases, mm-hmm. um, the ones with uh, you know where we have uh, bleed overs or whatever, not residual hauntings because I don't like that term, but the the, the uh, bleed overs within parallels, um, you'll hear voices and stuff, but they're they're not really acknowledging you they're doing their own thing in their own time um, or their own place um, but in the parasite cases it happens quite a bit and and um, it's going to do anything to try to get your attention so you know you'll hear your name being called and and it's it's feeling you out and, and depending on what kind of frequency or what kind of emotion you answer back with um, it's going to know if it can play with you or not but it's going to try little things like that and, you know and usually it, it starts off as being innocent and you think oh you know it's it's my aunt or it's my grandfather or whoever you know or a little Sally, little seven-year-old Sally, and then uh, once you start talking or you give it attention, it you know all hell, hell breaks loose. It's it's not little Sally anymore. Yeah, she's ripping your house apart. So. Right. One of the things that is, I find intriguing, Shane, too, is is that the the comparison between these voices being heard and EVPs or electronic voice phenomena, which are big deal today, and all this. Oh, listen to what I got on you know, all the uh, pop uh, hobbyist. Butterfly collector ghost hunters going out there, and, you know they're saying, "Oh, I got this voice," and which could be anything, and, ha- and you know most of the time they're not even really um, audible in the sense that you can't really tell what they're saying. At least I can't. Uh, we're Ben here; he's a sound expert; he could talk more about it. But I wonder if uh, <clears throat> the same when it is from a parasite or something else, when it is the same modus operandi, uh, would it be for EVPs and? these voices heard i mean have you heard uh electronic voice phenomena or people re- uh, reporting that uh that would get them stirred up or would push buttons this sort of thing or as you might hear when you're coming out of sleep uh, is is there the same uh background to those phenomena sometimes uh we, well we used to have um you, you met Mike Sullivan, yes. who's I think one of the best EVP specialists in the world, um, and he, he he worked with me for quite quite a few many years. Um, but I also have you know recorders, and I'll, I'll, I rarely use them because if I'm going to help a family, I don't care about evidence. I don't care about capture. Yeah, I, I had my evidence a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. I'm just learning <laughs> learning more, deepening the knowledge. Right, that's not the main. So, but I'll, I'll play with every, anything, you know, because I don't want to leave no stone unturned. You know, I, I want to, you know, put my hands on everything and play with everything so I get a better understanding of it, how this stuff works. So, um, but, you know, we, we got, um, Mike's gotten when, when he's been with me. And then also I've, I've received, uh, recordings of, um, calling us by our names, responding to what we're doing. Also calling, um, the one, one case, um, they were trying to stir some stuff up. They were calling this, I can't say the word, mm. but um, another word for prostitute, they were calling this lady um, expletive, you know. Yeah. Um, and and so, and that freaked her out. 
absolutely freaked her out, and, and I told her that's the wrong thing. <laughs> that's the wrong response. Oh yeah, here's yeah, why. Absolutely. To, so I had to explain to her the you know why it's doing that. Explain to her the mechanics, and everything was fine. You know, once she really wrapped her head around what I was telling her. But you know that's that's how they work, and 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 I think the reason why they're being recorded, you know, you you can't hear them. Um, yourself sometimes is because of frequency and that's every, how everything plays um, that's how this stuff works um, but I've gotten them in homes I've recorded where I've actually heard um, hello hello like right behind me you turn around there's nobody there who are you like a, a woman always who are you hello heard this constantly um, and I wasn't even there do, investigating this house I was I, I, I owned my own remodeling business I was in there doing some work um, so I actually took my recorder one time. I asked a question. She responded. I heard it with my ear, and I obviously, you know, obviously I, I recorded it too. But um, but sometimes you can't hear. Um, but a lot of times, um, these recorders are in rooms, and we isolate the rooms. You're not in there, so you, you don't know if they're they're audible, you know, to the human mm-hmm. ear at the time of the recording. So, yeah. um, but I think when when they, they're not heard with a human ear and they're recorded, I think it's done through frequency. Sometimes they sound real mechanical too. Very, yes, very yeah. odd. Um, I have had two arguing with each other. I have mm-hmm. to show you that one because it's it's quite clear. Um, one's giving a command to the other one, and the other one's like, "No, you can," you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, but you know, I don't put too much stock into any of it. It just because most of the recordings that you're going to get, even if you could tie, tie some some of it to the people in the home or to yourself, it it really doesn't do anything to how I'm going to treat the family or the home. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I, I'm thinking of um, several cases where uh, <clears throat> there were EVPs and uh, actually, well, the the use of expletives and things of this kind seem to figure very often in some of these these cases, uh, whether it's EVPs or, or direct hearing, so to speak. And uh, I find that very interesting from the point of view we've just discussed. Right. So uh, why don't we move on to um, another one? This is from Don. I'm not sure where Don is from. Um, and this goes back to 09 and a show we did here at ON on teen suicide and we approached it from the father-son perspective Ben and I did and he gave the perspective of the teenager which he was at the time and I gave mine as a parent and uh, and when we were on Coast to Coast there's a chapter in the new book Behind the Paranormal that we discussed with George Knapp on Coast to Coast and th- this is what prompted this this particular email. Uh, I, I mentioned that, in my opinion, uh, unless there is serious mental illness, and there isn't always uh, with suicide, that um, it's a very selfish act. And I found that people who commit suicide often end up in worlds of endless aloneness. You know, it's like, be careful what you wish for. You make your own bed in the multiverse. So uh, Don writes... Uh, suicide, and he, he gives a, a website here, which I won't give on the air until I've checked it out. Suicide is seldom selfish, as I heard you state on the radio. This is one part of a detailed book about NDEs, that's near-death experiences I bought. One woman had two suicide attempts and had two positive experiences. Well, I'm, I must say I have very occasionally run into... Um, I, well, actually, I've, I've run into people who've said that they had att- they were attempted suicides and had had uh, an NDE that was positive, near-death experience. However, when I have I have never dealt with a suicide uh, personally, where there was not a, a maybe, maybe they did want 
perfect aloneness, you know. But that's, and, and I haven't done this a lot over the past, you know, 46 years. And except, of course, with my own father, I often mention this, um, that was a suicide and I was a, a young boy. But I lived in that house <clears throat> for the rest of my childhood and it, into my adult life to a certain extent until I moved here to Rhode Island. Uh, and uh, there was never anything negative that came from, from that. And I always felt very positive about him. So maybe in my own personal life, I have encountered uh, an act that was not <clears throat> selfish. I mean, supposedly there was a uh, brain uh, tumor. That, that, But again, I was seven years old. Nobody's going to tell me this stuff. So, uh, but I, but the, the point here, Don, is that we don't, we had people writing to us about the multiverse idea. Gee, I hate my life. Why can't I just pop off and I'll come up with a better one, right? Somewhere else in the multiverse. We're not going to encourage that, you know, but for heaven's sake. So that's why we are very dead set against suicide, pardon the pun, and we, we uh, think it is, a, it is an act of selfishness. I mean, the very act that, that you can't take your, your life by your horns uh, unless you're in a totally impossible situation. And even then, there are always, there's always hope, there are always possibilities. Um, and, and do something with it that can be an act not only of selfishness, but of cowardice. And no way should you do that. Right? You, there are ways to bring better selves and better worlds, or whatever, into uh, conjunction with your own. And uh, it's not through suicide. So I'm going to I'm going to stick to my guns on that, uh, Don, and I'm going to say it, it is a selfish act, um, unless again people are are totally, um, you know, out of the way when it comes to the, their psychiatric state, and they really aren't responsible for what they're doing. So yeah, maybe in that case, but I, I don't know. I just uh, I cannot we cannot condone it in any way, and uh, I maintain that it's a dumb thing to do and not to do it. Uh, Shane, what do you think? No, I agree. I think it's a very selfish act. But you know, you get the people that mess their lives up so bad, and then they have no choice in their minds, and they kill themselves. That's one thing. But then you got other people um, I found too that are very special people that are very gifted, um, and maybe they were meant to to help people, but they're on where they are in their mind and in, in, in who they. They are spiritually um, they're not able to connect with anybody else um, and, and so they got nobody that can understand them and they don't understand certain things but I think a lot of these people are, uh, that end up killing themselves I've, I've found are very gifted very special people that can't relate and um, and, and so they but the, the key to is what I was saying before you got to know who you are so you can love who you are and be who you are um, I should say know who you are be who you are so you can love who you are, um, no, no matter what. I mean, unless it's a bad thing, unless you, you want to be a bad, bad person. But um, you go after your dreams, basically, and, and love who you are, and uh, no matter what. Okay. Well, good. Uh, we don't have much time left, but th- this is uh, I found this really interesting. This is from Jerome in Florida. And um, in a way, it just kind of comes a- around back on us and, and uh, makes, makes me wonder. I was listening to Coast to Coast a few days ago. Uh, he gives a station in Kentucky, uh, and he says he lives in Florida. Though you, you told you told the story, meaning Ben and myself, of a of the tennis episode in Cambridge, Massachusetts. A couple of young men were wanting to play tennis. They knew about where the courts were, but not exactly. As they drove along, they spotted a policeman with unusual uniform. They asked, and he told them a couple of streets further, then to the left. 
they followed the instructions and came to the tennis courts. But of, of all the courts, but all the courts were in use with women playing in white dresses and in formal wear. They chose to wait it out. As they watched, the scene evaporated. All of the players disappeared, and the courts became an overgrown field. Clearly, this was a time displacement, not really a haunting. Well, he goes on, but uh, again, we were talking about the Mandela effect, supposedly remembering things that never occurred. Well, I, I have no memory whatsoever of ever talking about this This story. I've heard of this, mm-hmm. but I've never talked about it on coast. And I've been on coast to coast off and on for the last 10 years. I, I never remember mentioning this. So either he was listening, either uh, Jerome might have been listening to someone else, or and I, I don't remember ever mentioning this case on any broadcast. I've never broadcast. heard of it. Yeah, I heard it, uh, you know, secondhand from someone else who'd heard about, you know, one of those things. So, you know, I mean, unless I hear about it from someone who went through it, I always have my doubts about it. But uh, this was kind of odd that, that uh, Don says he heard, uh, or Jerome says he heard us talking about it. But anyway, uh, what, what his point here in, in his uh, rather um, uh, interesting letter is uh, what's the difference between a haunting and a time displacement? And this sort of thing. So, in the classics, and, and we often talk about that. Uh, it is like the Japanese traveler whose passport was not in the system. We've talked. I have talked about that at Tokyo uh, Airport. Uh, the authorities placed him in a locked hotel room with guard with guard placed. The next morning, when they entered the room, he was gone, and also was luggage. No one had entered the room, and there was no way out. Um, I have heard of that from independent, independent corroboration that that actually occurred. Um, I live in the mid beach section of Miami Beach, Florida. At the end of my street, there was a non-used hospital being converted to high-end condos. In 2013, my wife and I were walking on the sidewalk across the street from this building. An antique pickup crossed the nearby bridge and turned right, passed within a few feet of us. This was vintage 49, 1953, and was painted yellow, clearly not being used as a... Uh, what if I had an emblem on the side like the one you saw? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, clearly not being used as, a, as an antique car like Jay Leno's collection, but in work use. There were three workmen inside apparently going to a job. The truck proceeded about 100 feet past us, turned left into a parking lot without slowing or stopping. Across the entrance was a chain to prevent entry, yet the truck went right through the chain. The truck proceeded across the lot and then through a wooded fence and disappeared, never slowing. My wife and I went up to the chain. It was present and locked. Then we walked to the fence and it was intact. I I'm a retired physician and a commercial pilot. I use no drugs. This is what I saw. Hmm. Sounds like that uh, that old police video where police are chasing a uh, suspect. I was just thinking that. Yes, yeah. and it drives right through the, the fence. Yes, and it's right there on, on, on the uh, the cruiser cam or whatever, you know? Yep. And, uh, well, again, I think uh, our world are, is like Swiss cheese, and uh, that's apparently what's happening. So we're, we're out of time. We're going to have to get on with our announcements here. And um, we'll do that. Shane, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and your website, where people can find out more about you, because they, they can always listen to the show. You're on all our open line shows, which we're delighted about lately. So. Right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, i got a simple little website. I used to have all kinds of content, but I, I took all that down because um, I just wanted to focus on the work itself. But my website is trueghost.com, T-R-U-E-G-H-O-S-T.com. My uh, cell phone number, should you need it, 603-913-4790. Um, and... That's it. You can email me anytime. My email is on my website as well. Cool. All right. Well, our new book, uh, Ben's in Mind, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, is now in most bookstores, and if they don't have it, they can get it. It's also 
uh, available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and other online retailers. Uh, but if you're really serious, you can get an autographed copy at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, at the uh, bookstore link, and on our main website, NewEnglandGhosts.com. They ship right away, so there's still time to get them as Hanukkah and Christmas gifts. On Thursday, uh, our, our next event, on Thursday, December 29th, we'll do a presentation at book signing right here in our ON 1240 listening area at the Woonsocket Harris Public Library, 303 Clinton Street, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. That will run from 6.30 to 8 p.m. And that will bring us to Thursday, January 19th at the Franklin, Massachusetts Public Library and temporary digs at 25 Kenwood Circle. That begins at 6.30 p.m. Saturday, February 18th, will be at the Danbury, Connecticut Public Library for a program and book signing beginning at 10.30 a.m. That'll be an early morning for us since it's a two-and-a-half-hour drive. Saturday, March 11th, will find us at the Book Lovers Gourmet Bookstore in Webster, Massachusetts, again in our listening area, for a presentation and signing beginning at 2 p.m. And there's quite a bit more. Uh, f- the following week, Saturday, March 18th, we'll be presenting and signing at the Toadstool Bookshop in Keene, New Hampshire. I'll thanks be there. to Thanks to Shane's suggestion. That's one of the largest independent bookstores in New Hampshire, as I, as I yes, understand it, it. There's one in Milford as well. and I, uh, yeah. There might be more, but yeah, yeah I think there in, are three. In Milford, New Hampshire. So events are being added frequently, so check the BehindTheParanormal.com site or our Facebook page for updates. Now, our, our new YouTube channel, Behind the Paranormal Case Files, is up and running. Uh, apologize for the uh, lengthy duration of the uh, loading of the fourth video, but uh, Ben has had to do a lot of editorial work with that. But that'll be about the famous Bridgeport case of 1974, in which I worked with Ed and Lorraine Warren, and that will be posted shortly, hopefully, uh, before the end of uh, this week. Uh, find the YouTube channel by just looking, searching behind the paranormal and up it should come, along with some other stuff we've done. Uh, meanwhile, find out more about the show, our public appearances, and more at BehindTheParanormal.com, where you'll also find nearly 700 free recorded shows from both ON 1240 uh, and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. Okay, so um, so many announcements I'm not going to get to today. And uh, for the next two Sundays... Um, with the fateful dates of December 25th and January 1st, we will do rebroadcasts on Christmas. It will be a rebroadcast of our August 14th show, High Strangeness Update, with Linda Moulton Howe. And on New Year's Day, we'll hear one again, uh, hear once again our uh, September 11th show, Separating Fact from Fiction in the UFO Field, with Stanton Friedman and Kathleen Martin. And we wish a very happy Hanukkah to everyone that begins on December 24th, and then a very Merry Christmas to uh, everyone celebrating Christmas. And we leave you this afternoon with a thought from the Reverend Billy Graham. Uh, oh, also, we wanted to tell you, uh, make sure you um, stay tuned after our show for the Boston Bruins versus the Los Angeles Kings here on ON 1240. And uh, our thought from the Reverend Billy Graham, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money, but character and faith. See you next week. Or no, we won't. Two weeks. Three weeks. <laughs> Whatever. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.